0: Are we going? God laid out ten requirements with which Aaron was to prepare himself to enter God's presence in prayer and receive the blessing of atonement. Now, since God's standard of holiness has not ended, these ten requirements, they remain in place today. Only we no longer perform these symbolic rituals. What we do is we live out the actual fulfillment of what these symbols represent. and We live them out through our fellowship with Jesus in our prayer life. And so this series about um, being connected to God in prayer, prayer that connects, is critical because the whole reason why prayer exists is because God wants us to have contact, living fellowship, Contact with Him. Now, we are on number six this morning, but let me just quickly review. Number one was appropriate God's grace. Number two, put on righteousness. Number three, put on truth and honesty. Number four, be cleansed with the Word. Number five from last week, worship God. And number six, the sixth requirement and preparation for entering God's presence is to separate yourself unto the Lord. Let's read in Leviticus 16 and verse 17. God said, nobody is to be in the tent of meeting. Everyone say tent of meeting. One more time, good and loud. Say it like if you the one who says it the loudest wins $1,000. Just pretend that, okay? So everyone say tent of meeting. Praise the Lord. I think you're going to have to share that thousand dollars. That's good. So, the Lord said, nobody is to be in the tent of meeting with Aaron when he enters to make atonement in the most holy place, until he comes out. And he has made atonement on his behalf, the behalf of his household, his family, and behalf of the whole assembly of Israel. So, The sixth requirement, if we're going to prepare to have a successful prayer, is you need to learn to separate yourself when you pray. So when Aaron entered the most holy place, you know that building in the tabernacle, there was the holy place and then that curtain, the veil, and on the other side of that curtain, the most holy place where the ark was. So when he went into the most holy place, he was to be alone. And not only that, there was to be nobody in the holy place, in the room behind him. The entire structure was to be empty with no people, and there was not uh, any activity allowed to go on except him in the presence of God until he came out. So let me just say this to you in terms of how this applies to you and I. When we come to commune with God in prayer— We must not make him share our attention with anything else. He should have our full, undivided attention. So we have to separate ourselves from the daily routines, the daily distractions that pull your attention away from the Lord. That includes people talking. You say, well, I can pray while people are talking. As you follow me in this message, you'll learn that's not the point. Surely, we have a God who is always with us. So we find ourselves in situations where we have to pray while we're driving, or while we may be around people. That's okay. But to rely on the basis of your communion with God, that coming in and taking hold of the blessing of the atonement, there needs to be that secret place. That song we just sang is very appropriate. There needs to be a place where you go where the Lord has your undivided attention. So there shouldn't be, when you come before God in prayer, you, it shouldn't be uh, a place where there's people chattering and talking. Can you imagine Aaron in the most holy place, while on the other side of the curtain you could hear the chattering of the other priest saying, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope that David is high priest next year. I really love the way he prays Aaron you know, he's kind of, can you imagine him talking to the Lord and then listening to that in the background and hearing and, and his, it pulling his attention away from the Lord? Um, when we give the Lord our undivided attention, uh, we need to separate ourselves from all those things, from the TV. Some people pray with the TV going in the other room. Turn the TV off. You can't go before God and begin to pray, and then you hear that 1-800 number where you get that special cream that's going to take care of your rash, and go, wait a minute, Lord, I'll be right back. I keep missing this. I need to get this 1-800 number and get up and run in the other room and write down, you know, no, the TV needs to go off. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Does that mean God will never hear you while the TV is somewhere playing? No, that's not the point. Sometimes there's emergencies. We have to pray where people are around. We have to pray. in those. But that's not what we rely upon to build our prayer life with the Lord. We go away. Jesus went to the mountain to be away. It's not because he was looking for elevation to get closer to heaven. He, he was trying to get away from everything. Can you say amen? amen. Um, you know, uh, let's, uh, let's bring it down to where we live. Leave this thing out of the prayer room. Now, I'm preaching against myself here because I take this thing in. And I know you bring it in because it's got little Bible apps on it and everything. But what happens when you're in the middle of prayer and in comes that text you're waiting on? And you're like, Jesus, Father, I just ask you to what? (laughs) They did what in the middle of prayer? How many of you have interrupted yourself while praying to read a text? To answer something. Oh, this is an emergency. No, no, no. You are in the middle of an emergency. Talking with the Lord. Hallelujah. So, the cell phone. Let me let me, let me me uh, bring up another one. Even listening to music. It's alright to play. People love sometimes to put little worship mood music in. But if you're getting into it while you're praying, it's a distraction. You know, you, you can't be there praying and talking to the Lord going... Oh, that riff is coming up. Wait a minute. Wait for it. Here it comes. Oh, this is good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. No, you know, if, if even music distracts the mind, we need to give our full attention to the Lord and separate ourselves from everybody and everything. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, You will seek me. Everyone say, seek me. And you will find me. Everyone say, find me. me. So he's not just talking about praying for the sake of praying, seeking the Lord so that you could say, I sought the Lord. Aren't you tired of seeking the Lord and not finding? How about some seeking and finding? Because finding is supposed to go along with seeking. The Bible doesn't teach seeking and not finding. The Bible teaches seeking and finding, asking and receiving, Knocking and opening. The Bible doesn't teach knocking, seeking, asking, and never finding, never having anything opened. So Jeremiah says in 29 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Everyone say, All your heart. So seeking and finding God when praying requires what? all my heart. All my heart. Everyone say, all my heart. heart. Now the word all, I looked it up just because I had a a suspicion of what I thought it meant. Because the Bible says that we will find God in our seeking if we do it with all our heart. I want to know what all means. What does he mean, all my heart? So I looked it up, and just as I suspected, the word all there does not mean emotional intensity. Oh, Oh, God. It has nothing to do with emotional intensity. It means mental attention. It means when you pray, God is not impressed with how intense your emotion is. It does nothing to upgrade your seeking, but your seeking is upgraded to the place where you can receive if you give undivided attention. Now, if you've got the attention span of a squirrel, and by the way, a lot of, pe- a lot of us do. A lot of us do, and, and to a certain extent, I have to fight that in my life. Uh, the more you have stuff on your mind, it's really hard to disconnect but we find ourselves praying like a squirrel. Do not pray like squirrels. You ever watch squirrels out in your backyard running for a nut, and then it's like, oh no, I think there's another nut over there, and they run. They're just back and forth. You think, how much energy these little guys expend just to gather a couple of nuts? Why? Because they're afraid. They're distracted. They're constantly worried that something's going. They are not, they just, I have never seen a, stroll squirrel, uh, uh, a squirrel stroll through my yard and pick up a nut or two along the way. So all your heart means mental attention. And let me say this to you this morning, that lack of attention is the number one reason for failing to find answers that God has set before you. When you ask, the Bible says, the Father will answer. If you ask for bread, He won't give a stone. So when we ask God in faith, I believe He gives the answer. The problem isn't that God's not answering. The problem is we're not finding those answers. We're not hearing the answers. We're not hearing the Lord tell us where to go to receive that answer. We're seeking and not finding, not because God's not giving or providing, but our attention is so divided that we can't go from seeking to finding. If we would wait on the Lord, if we would pray with full attention, God would show us where to go to receive that. He would give you that word, give you that scripture, speak that word to you, that would end the flurry of seeking and bring you to a place of thank you, I receive it in Jesus' name. Let me say to you today that in our modern culture, The modern Christian today, the greatest threat to prayer for the modern Christian today is the inability to give God undivided attention. I believe that, and I'd like to challenge you to think about it. The real problem today with prayer is that our attention has been so affected by the world that we live in we no longer have possession of our attention span. Think about it with me. In the modern culture of connectivity, I hold up my cell phone as an example. Imagine your TV, imagine your computer. In the modern culture of connectivity, people are addicted to information and the flow of information. We can't get enough of it. You could live in a little town in Arkansas that has 800 people, but you are glued to the stream, the data stream of the world worried about what's happening in Singapore, what's going on in China, what's happening in California, where the floods are, where the fires are, who shot who, what's going on. No wonder it was easier for people to spend time in prayer and seek God when we didn't have telephones. Or at least they were wired into the wall and only one person at a time could use the phone in the house. Listen to me and think with me this morning that the modern culture of connectivity has become the most effective tool the devil uses to subvert the attention span of Christians. We can barely break away from the digital stream to think independently. We are the victims of group think, group faith, group conformity. We run to our devices, we run to the news, we run to the TV, we run to Facebook to find out what is the stream of thought, so that I could be in that thought. Now, I'm not against any of those things per se, but what I'm saying is that Satan no longer has to attack the Christian's faith to to cripple him or make her ineffective. He no longer has to undermine your authority and infuse bad doctrine into you. The devil can cripple a, kitch, uh, a Christian who is full of faith, and has right Bible theology, he simply uses our addiction to the digital stream of the world to enslave our attention so that when we seek, we can't spend enough time to find the answer. Are you listening to me? We have allowed our attention spans to be cut short. That's the one thing that ought not to be circumcised. Cut short is our attention span. Now, let me talk for a few minutes about the term tent of meeting. The tabernacle, we call it the tabernacle, was actually called by the Hebrews the tent of meeting. And I want you to let your mind just settle on that phrase for a moment. Because the tent of meeting was the model that God used to teach prayer or connectivity with God the tent of meeting, the scripture says that nobody is to be in the tent of meeting when Aaron enters. So even when we gather, as we do here on Sunday mornings, for corporate worship, the term tent of meeting promotes the concept That prayer is turning aside from regular activities in order to actually go and meet with God. So the very heart of the concept of prayer was that you disengage from regular activity and other people and you go to this place, this location, it was actually a physical tent, and it was called the tent of meeting or the tent of prayer, if you will. Now, the problem we have as New Testament Christians in which we have become the tabernacle that God lives in is that we run the risk of mistaking God's omnipresence for fellowship with God. Do you understand what I mean by that? God's character states that he is omnipresent, which means I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. But God being with you is not you being with him, in the sense of prayer. So, we mistake God's omnipresence like this. We sort of feel that He's our silent, invisible, ride-along partner. Wherever we go through life, whatever we're doing, He is with us. So because He's not only omnipresent, He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything that's going on with me. And we confuse God being with us and God knowing what's going on with us as some sort of level of fellowship. But it's not. Just recognizing or having faith that God is with you is not a prayer life. Do you understand what I mean by that? That's not connection with God. That's not. God was trying to say through the tent of meeting, I was out there in the field while you were working, I was in your home when you were going through trouble, I saw everything, but I still need you to come away and meet in the tent. Of meeting with me." Now, I don't want to take away from the fact that God is with us in the field, and He's with us in our home. He is with us, and we could pray, drop down, talk to Him, connect with Him wherever we are. But don't use the emergencies of life as a prayer life, because they're not. A prayer life is something you do because you have put first the Lord in His kingdom you have put it first and foremost you make a special place in your life to meet with god amen hallelujah so prayer is not based with god based on god being with us but rather us being with him now the reason that god taught prayer through the model of the prayer tent the 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 uh, tent of meeting, was not to promote the idea that prayer only works in a special holy place. And by the way, a lot of religions, even the Christian religion in certain circles and denominations is based on God really hearing you in certain cathedrals or certain places or holy quote-unquote places. So we're not, God is not trying to promote that idea The model of the tent of meeting was never meant to make an idol out of the tabernacle, and some people have done that. It was not to promote the idea that prayer only works in certain locations, but rather to safeguard against human spiritualism. The risk is that we could become, we go so far the other way that we say that, well, because the Lord is with me wherever I'm at, it's my spirituality that creates the place of prayer. And that's a wrong way to think. That's actually the basis for um, humanism and Eastern mysticism. So the Lord was safeguarding against human spiritualism, by saying, there is a place that you must come to in prayer. He wanted to instill that concept, and then he would reveal what that place was when Jesus came and connected us through the Holy Spirit with the Father. Can you say amen? amen? So the model of the tent of meeting was meant to instill the reality that prayer brings us into a meeting with God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Think of these phrases like this, which you're familiar with, that Jesus said in terms of prayer. Come. Everyone say come. come. Come to me, all who labor and are heavily burdened, I will give you rest. So he's in effect saying, seek, you shall find. How do you seek? Come, Jesus said, me. We don't come to Jesus just because we're saved and the Holy Spirit lives within us and Jesus said, I'm with you wherever you go. That's not coming to him. That's just running around like a Christian. And that's not prayer. That's not coming to Jesus. I looked up the word come and it literally means come apart and follow. The, the word in the original language Jesus spoke, come, had the connotation to it that you change your direction and you pursue, you follow. So he really was saying, turn away from everything, no matter how good or important it may be. Work, family, hobbies, interests, even the blessings or the work that I've given you to do. Turn away from all of it, from the ministry, from your responsibilities, from everything, and follow, come to me, I will give you rest. Seek, follow, pursue, and I will give you rest. Another place where that scripture is used is in John 7, 37. Jesus, the Bible says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he yelled out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You see, you're not going to drink that soul-quenching, satisfying water that brings transformation and peace in your life just because you acknowledge in your mind that He's with you. Because your faith that He's with you is not the same as you being with Him in prayer. That is a decision backed up with an action that you must take. So the tent of meeting was all about you separating and Aaron had to go in alone and be with God without anyone else around him. One final verse that uh, that shares that concept is in John 6:35. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger." There are many Christians who pray but they're still hungry. There are many Christians who pray but they're still thirsty. There are many that seek, but they're still not finding. And they believe in their mind that it's because God has not revealed it yet, or God has not offered it, or God has not given it. That's not what the Word says. I know your needs before you ask. I have supplied everything. So what we have today is not a failure to seek, not a failure to ask. We have a failure to pay enough attention to God that we can see where he's placed the provision that he's promised to you and I. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Lord. And let me just take this one step further, and then we're going to gather and pray. The place where God meets us, as I've said, isn't in a special building. It isn't even a place in you. This is going to challenge a few of you. Hold on, maybe a bumpy ride the place of prayer is a place in god not in you think about it for a moment when we think the lord is with me the place of prayer is in me that's when we get into trouble thinking i have to be in certain spiritual emotional condition so when you don't feel in that condition what do you do you don't pray If your house is a mess, you don't invite people over. Are you listening to me? You know what I'm saying? Dishes in the sink, you you feel reluctant to bring people over. But see, you don't meet God in you. You meet God in Jesus. You say, but Jesus is in me. Yes, he is. And he gives, and by him being in you, he gives you the ability for him to lift you into the presence of the Father. Don't confuse the Bible teaching about prayer for human spiritualism, where everything is about your spiritual condition. Everything is about Jesus' condition and your attentiveness, your obedience, and your following him. The tent of meeting is not even a place in you it's a place in God. And the final scripture I want to give you to underscore that thought is, in John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world that you're living in, you shall have trouble and suffering. But take courage, I have conquered the world. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Your house can be a shambles. Your mind can be a mess. You can be a slave to the digital stream and connectivity to the world. But if you can break away, just hit the off button. Put it aside. And bring your thoughts to bear upon Jesus. He says, in the world, you have, I know you're suffering. I know you're in tribulation. I know that you're going through things. Be of good cheer. The Lord's not cruel. He's not saying, I know you're miserable and you're in bondage, but just be happy knowing that I'm up here above it all. And that that I have, I, I made it so one day you'll probably make it too. He's not cruel. He's not saying that. He's inviting you to the tent of meeting. He's inviting you into prayer. He's saying, look, shut off the TV. Ask your family to go in the other room, or better yet, just go out and get in your car. Invest, you know, 15 minutes of gas to run the AC and get in your car. Keep that radio off. And if you have to get out of your driveway, go drive to a park. If you have to get out and sit under a tree, Go sit under a tree. Get away from it. And come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I will rehabilitate your mind. I will give you the peace that the world has been taking away from you. I will strengthen what has been beaten down and made weak. Come to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the sixth requirement To prepare and have successful fellowship with God is separate yourself. And just know that you're not alone if your mind can barely pull away from the thoughts and the digital stream of the world to give God a little attention. Because let me tell you, the opioid epidemic doesn't compare with the information epidemic that has enslaved our society today. Not just sinners, but Christians are addicted to the stream of information. And the enemy controls our lives because we can't give attention to God. I want to challenge you this week to declare war on that addiction to break that addiction. Now, whatever you have to do is between you and God. I have no idea. It may be a switch that you can turn off in your mind. If you can do that, great. But I remember Pete Hedger many years ago when he was our worship leader here. A father of about 28 children. Uh, So a man of, of great responsibility with a large family was Fed up with watching his family go down the drain in front of the television set. And he came to church one day and he said, you know what I did? I said, no, I have no idea what you did. He said, I drug my great big 137-inch TV out in the backyard and I took a sledgehammer and I destroyed it. I said, why didn't you call me? I would have loved to have had that TV. He, he destroyed the television. He said, I was so fed up. And I could, if you knew Pete Hedger, you could see him. He was releasing all of his hate and ire onto that TV set. The TV set was just a tool. But he declared war on the thing that he felt was one of the primary prayer destroying weapons of the enemy, destroying his family. Now, I'm not suggesting you have to. Destroy your TV. I don't know what keeps you from waiting upon the Lord, but the Bible says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. That Christmas he bought his family a brand new TV set. I just wanted. I think in all fairness, I need to add that uh, little piece of information. I, now I thought that was the funniest of all, but I still applaud him for doing what he did. I thought that was a great demonstration to his children, to his wife, to his family. It was a great, so I love it when I see that people are willing to take those steps to put the kingdom of God first. Many of us envision ourselves seeking and pursuing and running after Jesus, but we won't do the things to break our patterns in order to be that person. And I want to challenge you today To go before God. We often talk about fasting. Try this for a fast. Go before God and say, Lord, what in my life do I need to take a sledgehammer to? It may be a mental thing. It may simply be a priority. Order of priorities in your life. It may be a physical thing. I'm not dictating. Please don't take any of my um, anecdotal stories as... As an assignment that you have to follow through on, but maybe just ideas to seed your mind. What can I do so that I cannot just seek, but find? I need to start finding. Stand with me this morning. Congregation, hear me today. There are gifts in you. There are visions and ministries, there are callings in your life, and God is wanting you to pursue them. He is wanting them fulfilled in your life. He has already placed answers for you to find as you seek Him. We wait upon the Lord, not for God to get ready, but for us to get ready. For your eyes to clear and your vision to clear and gain focus so that you could see him holding right in front of you. And he was holding that answer in front of you the whole time. It's been there for 10 years. He's been holding it out. You think, oh, God finally got around to to blessing me, to helping me. No, he extended that to you 10 years ago when you first started seeking him. You're just getting around to finding. I'd like all of you to just step out of your seat and come down to the front. I want us to pray together as we prepare to leave this place today.